Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central. Only on PBS. Hello, my name is Dave Henry, and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 55 of the No Encore Music Podcast. I'm joined by my two, I would say, acquaintances at this stage Craig Fitzpatrick. Acquaintances is maybe a stretch. How are you? You good? I'm not too bad. Colleagues? Man. Yeah, colleagues. Brothers Enemies, in, brothers in arms, brothers in arms. Yeah, Colm Morrigan, Dave Hanrat, who numbers amongst my workmates. How are we? Thanks, man. That's from the heart. <laughs> he really, he really meant that. How are we all? <laughs> Good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Colm and I did lots of things. You together. did loads of things. <laughs> we did solidifying our colleagueness. <laughs> yeah, uh, we went to run the jewels. We did. Which was very enjoyable. I enjoyed it. I'm I shocked. Feel like it was missing something. Oh, well, really? Is, yeah. The thing is, I mean, like I knew how good a live act they are, and so. You know, even with the kind of disappointing third album, I still figured this is going to be great. And it was. No, it was great. It was a lot of fun. They were really on form, really up for it. Uh, Killer Mike uh, drained a full Guinness. And uh, then and then went down and took LPs and drained that as well. Oh, In you one feel like you go? It that's pretty impressive. And it could have gone all night. Scary. I feel I've done that before. Have you? Big probably, man. Probably not. Jesus Christ. He's <laughs> Do like, you reckon he has a problem? <laughs> no, I think he's, yeah. just a, he's just a big dude. Can, he is a big dude. He can put it away. Uh, they were very good. They were on very good form. And I, I think that third album is still weak. I, I really, really think it's I was going to ask, in the, like, with those tracks in the context of a set, did it kind of, did you go, okay, I can kind of appreciate these a bit more? Or? Well, I missed the first three songs because I was at the bar. Of course you a were. A never-ending uh, surge for the bar. Because it, like, it was like a quarter to nine. I was like, they're not going to be on stage till after nine. And then I heard like something starting up. And I was like, I'm sure that's the support act. Because I heard they were on at 10 o'clock the night before in Belfast. 
And uh, no, then I started hearing RTJ3, motherfucker. And I was like, oh shit, mm-hmm. they're on. So uh, yeah, a bit of a scramble to get into the pit in time, which was enjoyable. Uh, overall, a very good show, very enjoyable. But like most hip-hop gigs, something that I can't quite put my finger on was missing. And I feel quite churlish saying it, but that's just the nature of those gigs sometimes. Yeah, they're better than most, to be fair, though. Yeah. They actually connect with the audience. It's not just kind of like, you know, walking around behind a hype man and shouting the last word of every line. Oh, and the audience were rabid, like, you know, oh, like God, very, very <laughs> rabid. rabid. Literally rabid. Yeah, rabid. <laughs> the show had to be stopped. Uh, but a show that couldn't stop, it would seem, <laughs> came a couple of days later. Yeah. When Cullum and I watched WrestleMania... That's 33. Right. I'm imagining you'd been together for the entire time in between as well, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, to be perfectly honest, Craig, you're, you're lucky that WrestleMania strong. finished in time for us to record this podcast. Um, the ultimate thrill ride <laughs> was seven hours long. Yeah. What? Yeah, ran, yeah. Uh, well, certainly, if you include the pre-show, then yeah. Which we watched in Cullum's gaff, uh, where I must say I was well fed. Thank you again. Oh, please. Lovely. That chicken, oof, beautiful. Yeah, okay, tell you what. And those cookies. Oh. Seven hours long. Seven hours long. Okay, I haven't seen it since, you know, the days when The Undertaker was still in it. I'm he sure he's gone event. now. He was I know. Yeah. <laughs> it was his last one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it showed. Oh, yeah, oh God, yeah, he please looks let so the time to go. Please let it? that man retire. Yeah. He's hurting and he looks very old and it's time. It's a bit sad that they broke his kind of famous streak. They did that because they thought at the time that would be his last match. Oh, okay. But it turned out not to be. <laughs> so it kind of well dilutes handled. it a little bit. These plans change. This is a problem when you offer a guy 10 months off and, and like at the end of the 10 months he goes, you know what, I'm feeling all right again. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it for the most part. Sure. I think it kind of hit a wall. The second half of it wasn't as good. And, you know, I, it kind of peaked with the return of the Hardy Boys. They came back. Oh, okay. Yeah, so great. it didn't peak for you uh, with the return of Pitbull? I went to the bathroom during that, remember? Oh, yeah, hold on, hold on. Pitbull of music fame? Yeah. Pitbull? Yeah, there's a little mini concert in the middle oh, where Pitbull, along God. with uh, Lunch Money Lewis, uh, whose nickname seems to be quite fitting, um, looks like he spent a lot of lunch money in his time, <laughs> and Flo Rida um, performed a few tracks. And Stephen Marley as well, I believe. Yes, yeah, 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 why not? Performed a couple of tracks that were the theme songs of the show, and that's when I chose to go to the bathroom. Like I say, a lot of people in the stadium would have done the same thing. What was The Undertaker's final kind of team music? Did he go back to the original or is he still it's, on some weird Limp Bizkit no, 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 B-side? No, 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 no. It, it's the original. <laughs> Spice <laughs> Girls goodbye, my friend, as he walked up the ramp. I timed his entrance. His entrance took five and a half minutes. Of course it did. Uh, now, there was an amazing Undertaker theme, though, back in the day. It was when he was uh, in the, the Ministry of Darkness. I remember it well. And it was genuinely brilliant. And uh, here's how that sounds. <laughs> Took me 55 episodes, but I got it on the podcast. <laughs> it's the only reason you spent seven hours watching WrestleMania. It is true. you got to justify the means. So, but uh, yeah, so we've been very busy hanging out together, being social, being best mates. Uh, do Don't you, ask. What have, you what have I been doing? I'm going to start making things up. I feel like I should. Do you know what I haven't been doing? Spending seven hours watching WrestleMania. So I win. Mm, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. We can move on quickly enough um, to the... Uh, 
Sorry, sorry, I'm just seeing the preamble right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just saw this. Which I printed. Yeah, like, that, that's not what I wrote. The preamble <laughs> says, Dave and Cullum do run the jewels, Dave and Cullum do WrestleMania, and Craig has added, Dave and Cullum elope to the south of France. I'm <laughs> such a wag. <laughs> well, that's ruined the surprise. Um, well, we mentioned what Stephen Marley was up to at the weekend. Uh, Skip Marley, decidedly <laughs> less enjoyable week for him. He provided uh, what I'm sure he thought was going to be a great boost to his career, the soundtrack to the new ad for Pepsi. Kendall Jenner's involved, folks. This is going to blow up. And it did, <laughs> right in their faces, like someone had given the can a good shake before it was opened. Some vivid imagery right there. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, they tried to create vivid imagery themselves, yeah. tapping into the idea of a big protest, a multicultural movement, which somehow was then spearheaded by Kendall Jenner um, who handed a cop a can of Pepsi to defuse all tension in the world and somehow somehow for some reason people are saying this is all a bit silly I kind of can't believe that whatever advertising company put this together didn't understand what was going to happen well now apparently it was put together completely in-house by pepsi which is why they were saying like there probably wasn't enough of a dissenting voice to was, say, was it uh, the guys. same people as set fire to michael jackson back in the 90s yeah. fueling his plastic surgery insanity yeah i don't know i mean look like at the same time like coke didn't add very similar to this in the 70s you know, with the whole hilltop thing. I mean, the Don Draper. Yeah, yeah, that's shit. yeah. But that, I, that was away. more. I mean, that wasn't directly picking on a kind of you know Black Lives Matter, yeah, and also tied into police violence, of course, yeah. as well. They've pulled the ad, and but do we not kind of feel like the job has been done? I mean, unless people are going to like go on a serious boycott of Pepsi, and uh, or else you know go into shop and get odd looks from the cashier, like this, I I, I haven't seen. Like such mentions of this brand. Yeah, uh, that's uh, what I'm saying. Like, in, in so like like in such a degree. Like I mean, like surely someone at the top of that company is like, yes. And also, a boycott of Pepsi would involve like people buying it in the first place. Who gets Pepsi? <laughs> I, like, I don't understand how they're so massive. You prefer? Quite, quite, yeah, it's quite nice. My mate works for Pepsi. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. The lemon like, twist was quite nice. It just seems like a drink that you get when you're on holidays in Spain and you ask for a Coke, and they're like Pepsi. <laughs> you're like fine. Yeah, or some fast food outlet that only carries one or yeah, the other. Yeah. But hold on, this whole thing to bring it back to music <laughs> apparently was predicted by the Chemical Brothers back in the nineties. Yeah, it's true. Um, it was Rosario Dawson that started in a video um, for Out of Control. Great tune. Which it is. A yeah. Tune. Have a quick blast right now. And yeah, it, like it basically seemed like a parody in advance. Yeah, That's impressive. They Very called impressive. it, yeah. yeah. Pretty much, yeah, synced up with exactly what happened. So what are we going to... We've got like six months until the Beastie Boys intergalactic video becomes a reality. Is that what's going to happen? That's like, Pepsi's just next like, move, I presume. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, that can't possibly... Destroy New York. Can't possibly offend anybody, right? No. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah, uh, continuing with uh, the strange intersection of music and politics, uh, lots of things can derail uh, politics in Israel. Britney Spears is not normally one of them, but what do you know? She's managed to throw a spanner in the works of elections that were due to be held there uh, in July. 
basically, she's having a gig in Tel Aviv and apparently has basically got a monopoly of all security for the night, which means that votes for the new Labour Party leader in the country are going to have to be postponed by a day. You uh, reviewed her album, her last album, for yeah. Hot Press, 4 out of 10. You kind of speculated that her time was over, her power was on the way, and uh, not, not according to this. No, apparently not. No, she can still draw a crowd in Tel Aviv. <laughs> yeah, That's well, big. in fairness, Tel Aviv is kind of starved for live music for obvious reasons of mm-hmm. late. Um, so yeah, she is the latest artist to... Decide to play in Israel. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk of artists boycotting it. Actually, if you look at the last year or so, a lot of major acts have actually played. Well, Coldplay and Radiohead are yeah. set to play. Radiohead kind of surprises me. I would have thought Tom York would have had some kind of stance no, on that. No, Johnny Greenwood is married, married to an Israeli artist, Israeli I think. Artist. And he's done a lot of kind of collaborations over there. So he's much closer to the whole thing than other acts would be. Um, it's, a, it's a weird one because... I, I can see both sides. I can see why people would want to boycott, you know, the Israeli government and their handling of the Palestine situation. But also the flip side is, yeah, do you really punish, you know, the ordinary person in Israel that wants to see a live gig? I don't know. What, by making them go to a Coldplay gig? <laughs> hey. hey! Boom, boom! What can I say? But, uh, yeah, in other news, another game-changing news, Spotify. We talk a lot about uh, streaming services on this podcast, and Spotify are going to try and uh, put the foot down in a certain degree. And this, I presume, has to stem from the Frank Ocean thing, um, because Universal are involved, and... Yeah, I don't know. They've announced that it will give some artists the choice of restricting new albums to the streaming services paid subscribers for the first couple of weeks of release. So if, like me, you do subscribe to Spotify, you'll get it on day of release. But if not, and you, and you can suffer through those incessant ads, you might have to wait a few weeks to hear the new, um, you know, Father John Misty or whatever. Right yeah, now. it's kind of waiting two weeks. Uh, it'll be windowed, essentially. And it is interesting, though, that it involves Universal because, of course, they were the ones who said that uh, exclusive streaming to one particular service was something that they would not abide by anymore. So yeah, it's I, an odd one. I mean, I mean, if nothing else, it probably shows that people are still very much trying to figure out how this works. Like it's far from a firm or, or, or understood process. At the this stage. CEO with a spectacular name that we featured before on the show, Lucian Grange, mm-hmm. who I'm still convinced is a vampire, <laughs> uh, has said that the long-term success of Spotify and others like it is essential to the ecosystem's enduring health, which is true, even if the word ecosystem seems a bit crowbarred in there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. This kind of makes perfect sense to me. I mean, that you would go, okay, you know, you're paying for this service which in turn is going to the artists here have this slightly ahead of time as opposed to the people that are just streaming it for free and Spotify are I think the only major streaming service that does allow you to have a kind of free access thing with ads right? I think so yeah, yeah. maybe Pandora but no one listens Pandora um, so it kind of I kind of agree with it like this I, I, I don't really see a major problem with it no, it, it's just like I say, though, there clearly are just like adjusting and readjusting every yeah. couple of months. I mean, oh, now yeah. they're saying, you know, like not every album by every artist should be released the same way. Six months ago, it was kind of like, well, every artist can't, yeah. you know, pick and choose their own way to do things. So uh. where do they stand on mixtapes? Because half the <laughs> albums we've reviewed oh, in the last few months have been playlists, playlists yeah. and mixtapes. Yeah. yeah, I think it's fair game. Like I say, I subscribe to Spotify and I think it is a very good service. And, you know, if it means that... I'm getting more bang for my book. Well, then, good. Uh, like, you know, bring it on. Yeah, bring it on, guys. Bring it on. One album that I will not be listening to on Spotify, um, is it even there? I, I don't know. I don't care enough to check, is Adele's 21 record. I think it is now, yeah. Now, a lot of people love that record. A lot of people have that record. It's one of the biggest <laughs> selling ones in the entire world. But uh, we know one person who got it as a personal gift, Harry Styles of X One Direction fame, who will uh, drop his new track after this podcast goes out. 
he was gifted a copy of her album, presumably on compact disc, for his 21st birthday from Adele. Yeah, now, do you know what? Uh, like, I know a lot of people love Adele, and I like how kind of frankly spoken she is in interviews and things like that, but I've never really hugely warmed for her, probably because I don't really like her music either. And I didn't like the whole breaking her award and giving half to Beyonce thing. That was just like... <sighs> but this I like. I love this weirdly passive-aggressive thing where she's like, here's my own album, Harry. You're 21. This is what you need. And also she says something like, yeah, 21 was a big year for me. I did some pretty cool stuff, and, yeah. so good <laughs> luck. Yeah, it, it does as well, though, sound a bit like, I mean, it's the equivalent of getting a bunch of flares at the petrol station at like <laughs> yeah. 8 o'clock on Valentine's Day, isn't or it? Or Homer Simpson giving Marge a bowling ball. <laughs> With his name on it. Yeah, uh, Stiles' comments, I mean, like, I haven't heard them, uh, but written down, they look quite passive-aggressive themselves in, in a strange way. He's like, I was like, geez, uh, you know. I think she leads by example. She's the biggest. She's amazing. She's the best, so she should be the biggest. The thing with her is she's a different thing. She's just good at it. I like how she does everything. It looks very nice. He's a verbose young man, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, like, I don't think that's passive-aggressive. I th- just think he's crap in interviews. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's obviously bigging up his own um, album, which will be coming out soon enough. Sign of the Times. Well, nicking have, it from Prince have you seen... Uh, the cover? The footage of... Oh, or, like, the, the photographs of him, of this music video that he's dropping. Oh, no, I heard there was a whole... People were concerned because he was on a helicopter. He's hanging from a, on a harness from a helicopter, right? But they show his stunt double, and his stunt double is wearing a Harry Styles face mask, which looks like Michael Myers' Halloween. It is <laughs> fucking nightmare fuel. Look it up at your own peril, listener. My, Do- ma- my main concern upon reading this story was, hang on, is Harry Styles still only 21? He's not. He's 23. This is an old story that he's just rehashed this week. Yeah. Thank I'm, God for that. Are we I, going I, to be listening to his debut album? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, I mean out of interest. Yeah. Zane's album. We did, so. yeah, which was deeply underwhelming. I, I kind of weirdly think this might be at least more interesting because he seems to have a bit more of a kind of person. Yeah, a bit more nous and a bit more sure of himself. I have a couple so, of questions yeah. related. One, round the table, what's your favourite One Direction song? Oh, good Lord. I don't know all that many of them. No, neither do I. Honest. Mine's gone that- from Steal My Girl to Perfect. Two great pop tunes. Okay, fair enough. Perfect's pretty good, actually. Perfect's I don't know enough Steel, to... Steal yeah. My Girl is solid, yeah. Uh, that history song, I guess, is a bit of an earworm. And second question. Uh, how long do we think Harry Styles will last in Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk? In minutes <laughs> or minutes on screen per- yeah. for him, like? Minutes on screen. Uh, Big ensemble picture, three hours. Well, they haven't confirmed the runtime, but because of Christian Nolan and he's increasingly bloated and he lacks self-editing, I'm going to say that film is going to be north of three hours. Yeah, I'll give him like about like four speaking lines. I'd say about ten minutes, <laughs> half an hour of cutaway shots. I'm going to say he's in the film for fifty minutes total. Okay, and he dies horribly. Yep. <laughs> Fair so, enough. well, with that in mind, there's only one place to go. It's songs of the week. Way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's start with a friend of the show, Jeremy Hickey, also known as RSAG. He's back. The song is called Meet You There. above ground as he's also known uh, we've all had the chance to kind of hang out with Jeremy over the years bumped into him last week and run the jewels actually <laughs> did you? yeah oh, I, I, I was with you and I, I don't remember that happening I, I think you're fabricating I think you were sir. collecting your coat if I remember 
I was. Oh God, yeah. I Is was, that a euphemism? I, might, <laughs> I don't even. Know I skipped that. that cloakroom cube, by the way, <gasps> and I got grief for it. Oh, oh. too right. This guy, Were you like, "Welcome to Dublin, mate"? Well, I kind of was. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of in that mood, and yeah, I kind of jumped in, and this guy was not happy, and he like he was like, "Oh, what the hell?" And I was like, "Yeah, man, whatever, deal with it." And then he goes, uh, "He then like put his hand on my shoulder, and I was like, get your fucking hand off me.'" I was being what? a complete dickhead, yeah, yeah. And then I turned around and I went, you know what, man, sorry, yeah. I was like, you know, it's a dick move, I apologize. And he goes, are you going to apologize to the rest of the queue? And I went, no. <laughs> wow. Did, did you tell him you have a podcast? Meanwhile, I was outside having a lovely chat with RSA. If you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening I'm, I'm, I am sorry. Anyway, this tune, uh, it's called Meet You There. Yeah. It's another And it's cult. terrible. <laughs> Friend of the show, yeah. It's what another cult from <laughs> upcoming album, yeah. uh, as yet untitled. We got the first taste of it last year with uh, Leave a Light On, and that was a great tune, but it, it was driven by vocals, which was kind of unusual for SAG. This is probably more like what we're familiar with. Yeah, and you kind of never really know what you're going to get with him, because he's a multi-instrumentalist, he's kind of, you know, he crosses genres. Um, it's always interesting, it's, it's usually extremely good, and uh, this was great. I mean, this, uh, look, it has a kind of grand opening, you're kind of getting your bearings, then it cuts into a really kind of streamlined, bass-driven track, and uh, yeah, it was just instantly something I was like, yeah, I like the layers to this, I, I dig this song. Yep, it's wide-reaching, and it's quite eclectic, and as you say, he's a hard artist to pin down. Yeah. Live, he's an especial, or an especially compelling force, quite a whirling dervish of things. And uh, yeah, like, I mean, like, like, he's able to just kind of do these kind of almost disco-esque things, with these weird kind of, like, features and textures. I mean, like, the, the, there's a high-pitched synth in this that comes in and out that sounds like something, like it's off the Streets of Rage 2 soundtrack, yeah. which I'm all about. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, it's a fucking home run, and I, like, again, like, what I would say to anyone, if you ever have the chance to see him live, take it. He's great live. Yeah, yeah. and each of the strands just kind of comes together quite nicely like you know the kind of, the kind of strings is even brass towards the end that opening reminded me a lot of uh, uh what, what new orders blue monday oh yeah, yeah that's great. um but yeah but like that just the driving rhythm section between the bass and the percussion uh it's maybe what he does best um and yeah really enjoyed it yeah hopefully uh, a sign of things to come some very interesting sounds on it it's kind of almost doctor who bbc sound effects compilation <laughs> stuff going on i mean it's about black holes it's about scientists trying to achieve something which we need more of in songs i think like race for the prize they're always good songs more of that and ever something completely different here's joey badass along with schoolboy q and rockabye baby I'm part of the reason they still cripping out in Brooklyn. Before I was an artist, I would book them. Mm. Push your shit back while on the front line. Nigga, your lunchtime, I'm bottom stop signs. You let that Wi Fi. Oh, mamas, for them dirty dollars, brains on collars. I went for my best Alan Partridge there with the, with the name of that song, Rockabye Baby, huh? Okay, so um, Craig's mate, Joey Badass. Schoolboy Q is someone who people rave about as well. I know. Yeah, I love Schoolboy Q. I, I, this was a bit all over the place for me. I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. You know what? I mean, it's funny. If you're not into Schoolboy Q... Which, by the sounds of things, you're, you're not convinced by? I haven't properly dived in. Okay, I mean, you see, in. this this thing, his album last year, Blank Face, was great. This sounds like it could sit very neatly on that, yep. rather than on Joey Badass' yeah, album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it does. Uh, Badass' album out uh, now, by the time this podcast drops. And, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this, because Joey Badass is this kind of throwback 
rapper, basically. Very old school style, which is kind of endearing and was kind of interesting for his first album, but you certainly felt that it wasn't going to be enough for him to kind of live with mm. in the current climate, I suppose, when so many people have so many sort of, you know, relevant and substantive things to say. And this signals a far more political slant, yeah. a far more aggressive, a far more current sort of a, an approach, I suppose. And if that's what we're getting on the second album, then that is probably a positive move on his part. Yeah, I mean, aesthetically, um, you're back to those kind of woo influences, I suppose. Um, you have that kind of, you know, sinister vibe to it, uh, that kind of piano thing that just runs throughout it. But yeah, as you say, lyrically, I mean, it's tackling some big issues, but in a really good way. I mean, we, we were kind of giving out about Kendrick's um, Trump chump kind of ridiculous <laughs> approach to um, dealing with the issues of now. These guys are just so much better at it on this track anyway. And yeah, I like uh, it's really heartening to me that he's going in this kind of schoolboy queue you know, mold or kind of taking some cues from that because while his debut had some interesting stuff on it, it was a bit of a letdown really given his talent. Um, so this is a good sign. This is a positive sign for me. Yeah, I mean, like he's got all the charisma in the world. I just found this very stop start. It didn't really hold my attention. I am looking forward to checking out the record though and I do agree that he's moving in an interesting direction. But uh, for now, it's kind of, I don't know, jury's still out. He's also, he's so young and coming, you know, from New York as he does, mm. I get the feeling that he could be a very interesting and important voice as it goes on. Yeah, yeah. and also there's more f- kind of strings to his bow. He was very good on Mr. Robot Season 2, mm-hmm. uh, so he's got screen presence to go along with it. Very confident young man. He is, yeah, yeah no, he's, he seems very cool, and I and I recall the interview that he did with him at Forbidden Fruit Live, which was very enjoyable. Yeah, and, it's uh, great. Definitely one of the highlights of that weekend. Uh, Rostam is someone who's featured on the show before in, with due to his collaboration with Hamilton Lighthizer. He uh, seems to kind of just bring his Midas touch to a lot of different people. He's back alongside ORAC, and this is called This Song. So, is this yet another example of Rossum's Midas Touch, guys? Nope. Uh, it's not working for me. No. It's got this weird sheen to it, this sort of weird polished, almost like Balearic house sort of synth going on. Well, it has a lot of kind of womp, yeah. which I thought we'd seen the last of. Um, it's, it's definitely aimed at the charts, isn't it? Yes. Um, I, mean, I can't help... Sound of the Summer type stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like it, though. Really, I think it's fun. I think it's pleasant. I think it's a uh, like it's just enjoyable and it's good, good, good music to, to do some writing to. When it opened, so I had horrible <laughs> flashbacks of that somebody I used to know. Song. Oh God, yeah, God I like that song. That song was, it was great. Played to death. That song was great until it was played to death. Yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, you see, I was never a big fan of that song in the first place, to be honest. And okay, this, so it this is, been... yeah, this isn't really doing it for me. I think as well with Rostam, you know, he's such a phenomenally talented bloke that I feel doing breathy vocals over what I can only presume is someone else's track is probably not the best way to use it. It's not quite up there with... He did a track with Ra Ra Riot last year called Water, which is Mm. brilliant and very, very positive and upbeat and life-affirming. So it's not quite up there with this. But no, no, I I think, you know, skin deep, but perfectly enjoyable. It's it's one of those weird ones which I wasn't expecting where 
the song itself i think is actually stronger than the production on it i mean there's some kind of like vampire weekend-esque flourishes there and like kind of almost you know synth but harpsichord you know arpeggios and things like that it made me you said something recently about uh something else kind of like uh, as a negative though you're like it just made me want another vampire record this not necessarily as negative but this did make me kind of get that itch i really want another vampire weekend record the last one was so great. So the curious. fact it's going to be called what Mitsubishi Macchiato, according Apparently, to Ezra yeah, Koenig, is just amazing. Not only that, but like you know, obviously you know, without him on board, I'm very curious to see if they can retain that pedigree that mm. they brought with the third record, Mono Vampires of the City. So hopefully that lands itself soon. But no, uh, like anytime I see Rossum's name next to something at the moment, I'm still compelled to check it out, and mm. I'm usually rewarded. Oh sure, look, he's a very interesting artist. Yeah, I don't like I say, I don't think this is the best use of his talents. And yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, Vampire Weekend, for instance, and some of the flourishes there, but. You know, Vampire Weekend always had the guts, I suppose, yeah. to back themselves and take something into a slightly different direction, even if it is just for a kind of a 10 or 15 second patch of a song. And this never felt like it was going to throw up a surprise. It, it, it kind of feels like a song that Chris Martin at the moment would love to just jump on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's yeah. One of those. If Chainsmokers had come to him with this rather than that <laughs> awful thing uh, that yeah. we had a few weeks ago. But I will say, I, I do like songs about songs. Just in, uh, add that to the list of songs about stuff that I like. Okay, songs Craig about is, songs. Craig is work. very meta. <laughs> I hope you're keeping an actual list, like, oh, yes. like Chris Jericho. Yeah, that's how I'm spending my time when I'm not with you guys. Well, Craig, if you were wondering what a collaboration between Mount Kimby and James Blake sounds like, wonder no more. It sounds like this. Hanging off the ceiling. That's We Go Home Together. Mystery solved. Yeah. <laughs> That's it what sounds, it sounds like. It sounds pretty much what you would think it would sound like. Well, of course. I mean, for a long time, I'm not sure you could have picked a collaboration between Mount Kimby and James Blake and a song by Mount Kimby and a song like James Blake out of a lineup because yeah. really they were kind of joined at the hip for a long time. Yeah. Sonically, at least. And this, it, though, is a little bit different. It I is. Felt. It is. It doesn't have the polished thing that you've kind of That's come exactly, to expect yeah. Yeah, from Mount Kimby. They've been away for a good while. I mean, it's been. Four, four years, something mm, like that. Something. And we've also seen James Blake go in very different directions. And uh, them come together, it's it's not really... It's a bit kind of ramshackle, but in a way that I like. Yeah. It's quite disjointed. But there's enough in there that kind of keeps me coming back very to it. Very brief as well. It's like two and a half minutes. Yeah. It's incredibly brief. And like that's one thing why I would say, yeah, like I'm, I'm reticent to make up my mind too much about this because like... I really don't think this is a one-off. I really think like this has to be part of a larger project yeah. or a larger release to come at some point. Because otherwise, two and a half minutes, I mean, you know, that's nothing, really. And especially when it's a relatively sparse two and a half minutes, to be perfectly honest. Have, we, as far as the have we entered the realm of the song as teaser trailer? Oh, I think so. Oh, yeah. a little bit, I think, yeah. Um, but frankly, if, if we have, then this is definitely working. Um, I'm really interested to hear what else we're going to get here. Um, you know, I, I I think there's not there's never a lot of bells and whistles attached to anything that either of these two acts do anyway. But like Craig said, yeah, there's a little less precision yeah. than we're used to, and certainly than we heard in the color of every anything. Um, 
Yeah, I enjoyed this one. Well, I'm going to wonder something, guys. I'm going to wonder at the end of this last song, will I still feel like your man? <laughs> That's what John Mayer wants to know. Here he is. girl in the room she wants me I know because she told me so she says come over I'd like to get to know you but I just don't think I can cause I still feel like you're mad still feel like you're mad now this song no. this song isn't in fact brand new. No, it's not. No, we have I, rules on this podcast, Dave. This rules, rules are being spat on right now. Yeah, yeah. this was released in February. Um, and somehow it passed us by. <laughs> somehow. How we were too busy happen? prepping for the live show. Yeah. Yes. And I was sick. <laughs> this Halcyon Days has now been given uh, a problematic video. <laughs> um, John Mayer? Problematic? Surely oh, not. On. He's your problematic fave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it involves uh, what he's envisioned as a disco dojo. Um, Good name com- for a band. Yeah, complete with, yeah. you know, white, the 80s. white girls dressed as geishas and some strange panda dancing, which... I like panda dancing. Well, you see, this now... Apparently this song is written all by Katy Perry. Of course it is. Which leads me to wonder if the panda dancing is a little shout to the shark dancing of the Super Bowl. From oh, the oh that's very clever. Yeah. Well, wow. well, it's not that clever. <laughs> not that clever. <laughs> but, uh, has he pulled a Pepsi hurts. then? Is he just doing this to try and get some you know traction? Because I, I don't really hear much John Mayer music. I just hear about his relationships. And yeah. Do you think this is a jam? No, I don't. I think no. it wants to be a jam. It wants I, to be a oh, jam. Oh, it's trying desperately hard. This is trying to be hotline fucking bling is what it's trying to be. Yeah. Dancing and all. Summer yeah. version. Yeah, it's, it's got a bit of kind of Marvin Gaye goes disco as well, but yeah. just so watered down that it's like, it should be in like being played in a Starbucks. And th- that's what I constantly think of when I think of John Mayer's music. I mean, people that apparently know and go and see him live say that he's some amazing guitarist. And he's done thing, some yeah, When, when, when he just plays stuff. as a sort of a regular blues, blues trio sort yeah. of a thing, he can be extremely good. Well, his performance performance alongside Frank Ocean on the two Saturday Night Live Stunning, uh, yeah. cuts is magnificent. And yeah. the guitar that he plays at the end of Pyramids is mesmerizing. Yeah, no, he's, he's a wonderful guitarist. Um, but he wants to be a pop star. I yeah. Think. Yeah. And it's not happening. It, it's just, it's, it's, it's really not <laughs> happening. Craig is saying no. no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Craig says no. Before we move off songs of the week, uh, just a real quick shout out to uh, a song that came out like a little while ago. Calvin Harris, right? I mean, like, like if you want a sign of the apocalypse, Calvin Harris is two for two. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of his most recent releases. We had Slide with Frank Ocean and Migos, which fucking I fucking jam. love. And now he's put out a Heatstroke along with Young Thug Pharrell and Ariana Grande. And it's another fucking banger. I mean, what's it, going on? Well, I mean, look, I'll put it one way, okay? If you put me doing a song, first with Frank Ocean and Migos, <laughs> and then secondly with, yeah. who did you say, Young Thug, Ariana Grande, and... Pharrell. Pharrell. Yeah, like, I reckon I'd pull something out, yeah. you know? <laughs> G- give me co-workers of that quality, and I'll, you know, I won't completely drag I, it I down. I imagine you as a kind way. of little John Hype man on a track like that. That's <laughs> yeah. interjecting, like a... Yeah. Yeah. It's not Happy an, birthday! It's not an official song, Lee, but we should have just a very quick listen, seeing as we mentioned it. No politician, I shit on niggas, because life is short. No passport to go with me, I hope you get Party. Let go, let go, and have a good time. Have a good, have a good time. Have a good, have a good time. Let go, let go, and have a 
Okay, Calvin. I like not an official song of the week. Calvin's like, what do I got to do? Well, Calvin, <laughs> all, all I say is you have our attention. So, you know, let's see what you can do with it. Sorry, Bond villain. Um. <laughs> Someone who has our attention this week for our album of the week is Fionn Regan. I mentioned it on the last show that I've been listening to The Meetings of the Waters, his new record. I've only given it a couple of spins, but we decided we'd go in depth on it this week, all three of us. And this is what that sounds like. The meetings of the waters that So that's the title track of the Meetings of the Waters from Fionn Regan there. Uh, Craig, you have some previous with this man. I, I have, yeah. I've interviewed him a couple of times and he's a very interesting chap. He's just kind of like a dream if you're a journalist because he... I don't know if he's just... Oh, like he's, he seems like a, a character out of some like like stories you would have heard from like the sixties or handing hanging out at like Andy Warhol's factory or something like that. Like he just comes with like you know quotes galore. He's probably practicing these quotes in the mirror, I'm guessing, because they're too good. Um, but that's the type of guy he is, and it kind of translates to, to the music as well. I mean, I remember talking to him and he was talking about his own work and saying that. You know, everything he does, it's got its own little postcode. It exists in its own little kind of kingdom. And I think he actually can achieve that really well. Like, he's a very literate guy. He's got a great turn of phrase. And I think that adds something special to the music. Um, He's been away for a while, but he's definitely back with something of a statement, I think. When you say he's a character, I believe there was a, I think it might have been a student-based play in Dublin a while ago. Right. Which in which Fionn Regan was the lead character, and he basically like hung out and communicated and lived with the woodland creatures. And apparently, this this thing got so out of control that Fionn Regan had to issue some kind of statement saying, "I'm not involved in this. I don't want anything to do with this. I'm not going to the play." Okay, so yeah, I, but he is the kind of person that you could tack on to such a, a woodland creatures. Really sums it up, I think. Yeah, you know. <laughs> not to be not not being disparaging, he just kind of has this kind of strange, you know, mystical. Yeah, Devendra, you know, Irish Devendra Banhart. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a track on this album called Babushka Yai Yai. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think, frankly, if there was anybody in modern music to do a little bit of a tribute to Kate Bush, then Sean Regan might not actually be uh, the worst uh, nominee to do so. Well, he's going to get a lot of attention now, I think, with this one, at least because of how he was used as a sample on the last Bonnie Vare record to sure. close it, which was you know, a, a really gorgeous sample and a great way to, to, to go there. So let's say you're coming to Sean Regan for the first time, and this is the first record you've ever heard. Do you think people will be compelled? What, 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 what are we thinking here? I think it'll definitely be compelling because, like Craig said, he's, he's a phenomenally poetic lyricist. There's substance there and there's, you know, things worth unpacking, so to speak. It is definitely compelling, but in a way, I think maybe almost too much so at times. It's funny, Too last compelling. But as in last week, you said with <laughs> put, Father put John. Put it on the poster. <laughs> yeah, last, last week, you said with Father John Missy yeah. that you could see too much of the work. Oh, okay. And with this, it's almost like you can't see enough of it. And it maybe makes sense with an album that's this short and that's taken five years to make that maybe some stuff that, you know, really should have been on there, should have been included, has sort of been edited out along the way. <laughs> right. 
So you're basically taking issue with the fact that it's very well self-edited. No, it's that it's too self-edited. There are bits here, especially later in the album, that feel like sketches. Do you think me. so? I, th- yeah. I, th- I think this actually all flows very well. It's very accomplished. And I, I think it, like the interlocking parts are, are very strong. Well, it, it's interesting, the whole kind of narrative and flow of the record, because up until uh, the aforementioned Babushka, mm-hmm. every song is kind of slowly upping in tempo. Yeah. We're kind of going up this hill with them, and the songs are very strong. I mean, by the time we arrive at like the likes of Cape of Diamonds, you're hearing songs that could actually kind of be hits. I mean, do you know what I mean? There's oh, like, very and much And there's some so. kind of whoa stuff going on there that he can kind of pull off because lyrically he's avoiding the cliches enough to make it kind of uh, digestible and enjoyable and not just kind of some bland pop song. But then you kind of hit Babushka and there's a bit more kind of grit to it and a bit more tempo. But it's actually kind of one of the weaker songs. And then it just slows right down again and we finish with some ambient sounds that would kind of rival that Moby stuff I've been listening to whilst um, doing yoga. Um, yes, it gets very so, opaque. That, like, that, that closing track, which I can't pronounce, uh, yeah. is effectively, it's a 12-minute almost loop. It's kind of soundscape-y thing. And yeah. it, it reflects a one-minute cut that comes a few tracks prior. Yeah. And it, like I say, like it is a bit of a loop. You could kind of be forgiven for being like, hang on, is this just like, it kind of puts you in a trance. And I was really, really taken by it. I, I, I thought it was a, a, a bold way to close a record and a very, very sonically uh, interesting one. And I, I really, really liked it. And I liked how minimalist it was and how it didn't quite get bigger. You mentioned Moby there. Uh, yeah. It kind of reminds like, rem- like it's very different in terms of its arrangement, but it reminds me of God moving over the face of the waters. I can hear that. Yeah. Just that vehement repetition in a in a positive way to just kind of hammer the point home but also just suck you into it and not kind of lose you somehow i mean i i found myself by the end of this record being quite entranced and i i believe that was definitely the point yeah i mean let's go back to cape diamonds and the few songs thereafter which as craig said yeah sound like the ones that could conceivably be hits now whether they were written uh intentionally as such or if they're just you know that good so to speak mm. It's hard to say. I mean, Cape of Diamonds especially stood out to me as like, it's something like The Walls would have written 10 years ago. Yeah. Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, that's no bad thing, but I'm not sure that's where Fionn Regan is at his strongest. I felt that the opening tracks of this album were probably my favourites. Where he's doing his kind of quiet work and Pretty just more, much, yeah. much, yeah. More and insular. I mean, his last album and indeed his first album also at uh, the end of history were both like genuine one man and his guitar efforts mm. um, this is obviously more a lot more realised actually because he's brought in a lot of electronic elements as well but for me yeah the, the quiet Fionn Regan especially maybe because it gives his lyrics a little more time to shine and a little more space you might ha- be where he's actually strongest for me. Yeah, you have to kind of do a, a bit of digging, kind of stick with it, and it just reveals itself. Yeah, I, I, I completely get that. Um, and it's probably why I, I, Euphoria is probably my favourite track on it, because it is this, you know, moment where it's a kind of opium euphoria, really. It's kind of slowed down. Um, it's it's an interesting take on it, and it has that thing that he's so good at where he kind of just, you know, lulls you in. Yeah, it's a beautiful as opposed song. to Yeah. Um, 
I mean, you, you know, you kind of read the the press notes on this, and it says that he relocated the Irish countryside, kind of walled himself off, and considered a full time move into visual art. I mean, like it does sound like it sounds very precious. Oh, he's big into his painting, and it sounds very kind of like almost like would alienate the listener. But if anything, I think this is a very inviting piece of work. I, I think it's very warm. I think it's and even even, even when it kind of goes that kind of weird coldness with with, with that aforementioned big instrumental, I still think it, it, it kind of holds your hand. It kind of like puts an armor into you. And the- I, I was very impressed by by that by that that intimacy. Yeah, certainly as well the way that it's structured. Like I say, the opening tracks are very welcoming. I don't think there's anything sprung on you, so to speak, until you're very much settled into the record and and, and ready to go along with it, so to speak. You're you're kind of strapped in and, and, and ready for the ride. Yeah, and I think, you know, considering this is his first kind of long-playing attempt at incorporating, you know, electronica and elements that he hasn't really done a huge amount with before... It works kind of seamlessly. I mean, like, he's pulled it off quite well. And as Dave, as you say, it has a real warmth to it. Um, it's it's like an enjoyable listen. I mean, it, it works for me in the way that actually uh, Bell X, one album Chop Chop a couple of years ago, worked for me in terms of incorporating those elements that you wouldn't think, you, th- you think maybe this is going to be a bit jarring, but it just seemed like a snug fit. Yeah, and I mean, like, I believe the uh, translation of that title, or not, sorry, not title, the closing track, uh, translates to Always Love, and to kind of paraphrase Colin from last week, and saying, like, it's not the album that we need right now, or the album that we deserve right now, or anything, I, I would say that's an album that I found very welcome right now. I think that last track is actually also the name of his new imprint, or whatever, so clearly it's one of the sort of philosophies okay. that he's taking forward. Very good. I think he's been quite successful here. Scores? I will go with a seven. I think it's a very nice album Uh, does misstep on occasion for me but yeah it's great to have him back frankly and I'm looking forward to seeing him live as well because he's usually a compelling performer I mean, yeah, I'll go seven, but I know we're we're probably going to come up to another month where we're not allowed to use sevens because, but it does it, it feels right to give it a seven. I mean, it's a good record. When I did speak to him before, he compared his music to not like a fireworks display, but like the Northern Lights, right? Because it's quite difficult to get up there, but it's kind of worth it. So uh, yeah, it's a bit like the Northern Lights, seven out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going seven point five. I I I found this a very touching record. I might go seven point five. Yeah, actually. yeah. I, I really enjoyed this one. Um, okay. So in terms of what else we can listen to this week, where are we at? I've gone back to Johnny Mitchell. If anyone wants to join me, that's where I'll be in the 70s. Have you listened to some of her 70s albums? (laughs) (laughs) My God, she was really, really good. Um, Hegira is an amazing record. Everyone should listen to it. Uh, it took me a few more weeks than it should have, really. But uh, Craig Finn's uh, We All Want the Same Things. Uh, regular listeners will know that I am a big Hold Steady fan. Hmm. So the Frontman's solo album uh, came out about two or three weeks ago now. And yeah, it's very impressive. I mean, obviously it has a little less of the sort of barroom rock style of uh, his band. Uh, but frankly, that again uh, leaves a little more room for lyrics, I suppose, to, to, to and he's got a lot of tell them. their story. <laughs> Boy, does he have a lot of them. Yeah, yeah but it's great. It, it's a beautifully written kind of nostalgic album. It, it, it's quite a bit of what you'd expect from Craig Finn, but granted, his characters and his viewpoints seem to be growing older with him, 
which is, I think, very important for a bloke who really can't get away with singing the same things as he did in the early 2000s anymore. Yeah, um, yeah impressive record. And I haven't always been blown away by his solo stuff, but this is definitely worth checking out. A strong lyricist. I just can't get past that voice. Um, I myself, uh, I've started writing a piece that I've been kind of threatening to write for quite a while, and I'm finally getting around to it uh, on Kanye West's 808s and Heartbreak. Uh, so I've been listening to that quite a lot while writing about it. Let's just say I was inspired to do so. And we will close this week. Actually, well, before we close this week, uh, we should tease next week's episode. We're going to bring back the listening guide. Damn right we are. Yay. Uh, of course, it <laughs> will be the first anniversary of the death of Prince. Mm. And for a guy who did quite so much during his career, uh, we feel, yeah, it might be useful to uh, break it down. And to try to uh, give you an idea of where to start if you're not familiar, because uh, it's intimidating as hell if you don't. I thought it's so. hella fun. Exactly. And uh, we may even bring in someone to assist us in that endeavor. A special guest, Dave. That's what I'm teasing, yeah. Next Dave week. Chappelle? <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? You know, I put out the call. We'll okay. see. But, uh, gentlemen, thank you. Thank you, Thank you, sir. Pleasure to close well. us out this week, a band that we're all quite fond of here. Like Galaxy are back with hey. the title track off their forthcoming record. Uh, May Kay features on vocals as well. Uh, she has been installed as a full live member. Has she? I believe so. She corrected you when you tried to say this <laughs> on the live show. <laughs> you well, Take it up with me on uh, somewhere else on Twitter, May Kay. You know, it's fine. Come at me. This is pleasure. And it's quite a pleasure. My name is Dave Henry. This has been no encore. <laughs> there will be no encore. See you next week. Don't give too much pleasure, too much pain. Don't give too much pleasure, too much pain. Don't give too much pleasure, too much pain. The vicious seems to be sure I soaked in rain. Don't give too much pleasure, too much pain.
It's the blow-up in, in Burundi. Yeah. He gets him with a haymaker. Oh, a southpaw stands. He's down. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 